I didn't, I didn't touch it. <clears throat> okay, I sound good now. I bet I sound better. Yeah. All right. I'm sure I am. Okay, okay. Everybody's filling in, filling in. Everybody's filling in. We'll do this again. We're going to do this again. Much better. I don't know why that is. Because I just never turn my laptop off. I just close the top. And be and be done with it, but maybe I should start actually turning it off when I'm not using it. Who knows? Okay. All right, all my usual suspects are in the house. Like I said, today's class, we're going to go over Paradise Lost, one of the greatest literary works. Um, it is John Milton's take on the fall of Lucifer. And um, uh, yeah, I, I just, I've always been wanting to cover this. It's a lengthy read, 10 books, uh, 1667, it was published with 10 books. In 1674, it was redrafted for 12 books. We're just going to cover the 10 books. I'm just going to give you the basic outline. Like I said, this is a lengthy read. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. So my, my chat box is looking decent. I'm, I'm happy with that. All right. I'm going to take my time and go over the, the keynotes. And um, hopefully you guys learn something from this. And it may spark your interest in wanting to read this. Um, I think it should be mandatory reading because it's just, it's just that good. But like I said, we're going to go over the, the basic notes and uh, all right, so let's get into it. Um, let's see real quick. I'm assuming the others have not received a notification yet, but we're going to rock on anyway. And I'm sure they'll, they'll catch up. All right, so let's go. Um, okay. John Milton's Paradise Lost, Cliff Note version. All right, so there's an opening monologue about disobedient humans. And, um, disobedient humans. And then in this poem, you know, once Lucifer loses, once he's, once he's, once he falls from heaven, he's stripped of his title and his name. So it goes from Lucifer to Satan. But once again, this is John Milton's Paradise Lost his version of accounts, how he sees it, how he wrote it. Okay. Um, the snake is basically equals beguilement. Now beguile can mean anything. We still, a uh, few of us that believe that, you know, the snake, the serpent had sex with Eve in the garden, hence Cain and his evil ways. Because when, um, God asks Abel, asks Abel, where's your brother Cain? He's like, that's not my brother. So that was like, Oh, okay. You know, I just get into it. Okay. Lucifer felt he was on par with God. Well, this is the ego comes in the hubris and which launched the war in heaven. The fallen then wake up in a lake of fire. It's called Tartarus. Okay. Place where they, the spot where they fell is called Tartarus. They're bound in chains. And then Lucifer describes hell as a round dungeon inside of a furnace and it's complete darkness. Okay. Satan's second in command is Beelzebub. Or Beelzebub. Satan has no regret. Satan wants to regroup 
Uh, Beelzebub questions, can God be defeated? Satan then has an idea to corrupt God's creatures using the allure of evil and power. Uh, quote, our labor must be to prevent that end and out of good to still find means of evil. Satan wants a proxy war between heaven and hell. Okay. They're allowed to leave hell because that's not God's final punishment for them. Okay, that's not what he had in store. Uh, the demons all conclude that it's best to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. Right? Satan then, um, okay, so he gets all the crew together. He wakes everybody up and he tells them uh, they've been erased from the book of life. But demons can still be worshipped like gods by humans. Okay. Then we learn of Moloch. Moloch is the king of human sacrifice. Drake. Okay. The owl. All right. Belial is the king of lust. Uh, Satan then tells them to not be ashamed, but embrace their evil nature and be proud. They then build a temple in hell. And the city is called Pandemonium. Pandemonium. In Greek means all the demons. Pandemonium in Latin means all the spirits. So when you hear the word pandemonium in Greek and Latin, it means all the demons, all the spirits. All right. The first council meeting Satan has, he tells the demons it might be impossible to retake heaven. Malik wants a, an open war with heaven using the newfound weapons in hell. Malik is angry and vengeful and he hates being in hell. Okay. Oh, shit. My bad. Push the wrong button. Eesh. Belial thinks God will one day forgive them. And he wants to take a wait and see approach. Mammon calls for industry. And he says he will never bow before God again. Everybody should work together to make hell a kingdom as great as heaven. So then all the demons are clapping because they like this idea. Then Beelzebub tells them. He overheard God has a new creation. So when they were in heaven, Beelzebub heard a, overheard a conversation between a bunch of angels. He says, uh, he overheard God has a new creation called man and that he loves them more than the angels. They can have their revenge by corrupting and destroying the humans without having to go to war. So they all cheer. This is the best idea. And they all agree. This is the, the plan in action. Satan vows to leave hell to find the portal to earth populated by humans the council then discusses a plan on building the kingdom in hell in satan's absence all right so then satan reaches the nine gates of hell three gates are made of brass three gates are made of iron and three gates are made of animantine the gates are guarded by a half snake woman and a dark figure they are sin and death satan demands passage Sin asks, have you forgotten who we are? She then tells them they're his children from his actions created from the heaven, from the war in heaven. Okay. Sin was impregnated by Satan, giving birth to death. Death then impregnates sin, giving birth to a pack of hounds that follows and torments sin. Okay. So when he meets them, she's surrounded by these dogs. So those are the creation between sin and death, right? The hellhounds. 
Sin's children are then tasked uh, with guarding the gates and the keys to open the gates. Satan persuades sin and death to join his plan. Sin then uses the keys to unlock the gates. So then Satan hops on a cloud and flies into the darkness. So when when she opens the gates, it's completely darkness. So he flies into the darkness. He then sees a light. He then meets chaos and night. They are the rulers of the darkness. He then tells them of his plan. And if they help, chaos can have free reign. Chaos then points to where the new world has been created. Sin and death follow Satan, creating a bridge between hell and earth. Okay. Book three. God, of course, is watching all of this. Watching Satan concoct his plan. Free will will be the downfall of man, but it's man's free will to love that makes them different from the angels. The angels don't have free will per se. The only angel to actually practice free will is Lucifer and the fallen. Okay. All the other angels just do what God says, you know, blindly. All right. Satan then lands on earth and sees a stairway to heaven. He meets Uriel and disguised himself as a cherub and then asked Uriel about the new world. Uriel is so happy to have a visitor. He tells him all the, the tea, right? He tells him everything. And then he shows him where Adam and Eve are located in paradise. Okay. So then Satan lands on Mount Nephist, or Nephites, Mount Nephites, and begins his plan. He then reminisces about his innocence. And then he has an internal conflict within himself. He wonders if he could return to heaven. If he, if he repents, would he be allowed back in? But then to him, he says, it will never be the same. He's past the part of redemption. Uriel notices his, his, the changes in his face because he's a cherub and cherubs are always happy and always joyous. So Uriel is seeing Satan have this internal conflict and his facial expressions are changing. So Uriel is like, mm, I don't know about this guy. Okay. Um, so then Uriel runs to go tell Gabriel about the angel imposter. All right. So we have the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. The tree of, no- the tree of life is taller than the tree of knowledge. Satan then transforms into a crow and perches on the tree of knowledge. He spots Adam and Eve and becomes instantly jealous and enraged and remembers why he came to paradise. He overhears Adam telling Eve she must be obedient to God because this paradise is only because of him and shouldn't complain and never eat fruit from the tree of knowledge. Okay. Later on that night, Gabriel leads a search party to look for Satan in the garden. Uh, They find Satan disguised as a toad. They bring him before Gabriel. Gabriel then interrogates Satan. Satan says he means no harm. Gabriel presses further. Satan gets angry and then they have a physical confrontation. So Satan and Gabriel go at it. So then a pair of golden scales appears. And then Satan takes takes as a sign that he can't win this battle. So he backs down and he leaves. Okay. Book five. Eve tells Adam of her dream about voices coming from the tree of knowledge. She sees an angel eating from the tree. The angel invites her to eat from the tree, says, taste this and be henceforth amongst the gods, thyself a goddess, not to earth confined. 
Adam's concerned, but tells her it's just a dream. Okay, God is aware of everything at this point, but he leaves them to have their free will. He sends Raphael to explain to Adam and Eve, with the, or the, to explain to Adam why the fruit of is forbidden and the difference between earthly food and heavenly food. So Raphael is sent, he talks to Adam, says, look, these are the do's and don'ts. Here's what the what's and why's. Make sure you tell Eve. Okay. So then Adam asks Raphael, what creature of God would openly disobey him? So then Raphael begins to tell him the story of Lucifer. Okay. God created a son whom he wanted to rule with him. Okay. Lucifer then voiced his frustrations and anger. Lucifer was uh, stripped of his name and title. Lucifer felt he should rule alongside God. That's thus the religion, the rebellion began. Okay. Abdiel was briefly part of the rebellion. He tried to convince Satan to stop this war and that the battle could not be won. Abdiel repented and was forgiven. For those that seek it, there will always be redemption. So if the grand scheme of things, if Lucifer just said, you know what, my bad, I'm sorry, and repented, theoretically, he'd go back into heaven, okay? Book six, Raphael tells Adam, Satan is already on earth, and to be weary, but to be brave enough to resist him. Okay, books seven and eight, Raphael explains the creations of earth to Adam. If man is obedient to God, one day heaven and earth will be one. Raphael then leads back to heaven. Book nine, Satan is, he's turned himself into a serpent. Adam and Eve go to work their chores. Eve suggests they work separately to get done faster, to do double the work at the same time and get done faster. Adam reluctantly agrees. Satan catches Eve by herself. Satan then seduces Eve and tells Eve the fruit gave him intellect and the ability to speak. Eve at first resists. Then Eve grabs an apple thinking Adam was exaggerating. She eats the apple and then becomes instantly invigorated, then instantly regrets it. Eve convinces Adam to eat the apple so their sin would be equal. Eve tells Adam to be with her. He must eat the apple as well. Like a dummy, Adam eats the apple. They have sex. Then they fall asleep. Then they wake up and then realize they're naked and then cover themselves. Then begin to bicker amongst each other about who's to blame. Book 10. The angels return to heaven to tell God what happened. God is aware. The angels try to take the blame. God absolves them. God says, he allowed this to happen. He will send his son down there to punish, uh, to punish the sinners. Adam and Eve are interrogated. Eve blames the serpent. The son, this is Jesus at this point, tells Adam and Eve, serpents will be forever cursed to crawl on their bellies, never to rise. The children of Adam will be forced to labor all day and hunt for food. The children of Eve will give birth in pain and be forced to submit to their husbands. The seed of Eve will take vengeance upon the serpent. Satan returns to hell. The bridge is finished. 
sin vows to corrupt the minds of all humankind, death will affect all living things, causing them to die. So Satan is back in pandemonium and he's telling his story of victory, but nobody's cheering. The only thing he can hear are the sounds of hissing. All demons have been transferred, transformed into serpents as punishment. Hell is full of fruit trees. Whenever they try to eat a piece of the fruit, it turns to ash. Sin and death arrive on earth. God allows them to stay until judgment day. Then they will return to hell with their father to serve out the rest of their punishment. God then tells the angels, earth will no longer be a paradise. Humans will have to endure extreme cold and blistering heat. Animals will turn on each other and some will see Adam and Eve as food. Book 11. Michael kicks Adam and Eve out of Eden. God decides his own son will be human's biggest advocate and will end up paying for their sin. Michael shows Adam and humanity's future before the great flood. In book 12, Adam leaves. Uh, he learns about after the flood and then is relieved. There will always be a chance for redemption. End scene. <laughs> God is a tyrant. And see, now listen, I know this is really, really brief. I'm so sorry, but this is a lengthy, this is, it's 12 books basically. And I took the most important parts out of each book to give you an overall gist of what this uh, poem is all about. And this is John C. Milton's version of the war in heaven, the fall of Lucifer, all that good stuff. But still pretty much all the, all the doctrines would agree that if, if Lucifer, Satan would just repent, theoretically, he could get back into heaven. But like he said in, in book four or five, it will never be the same, right? It's like you call your wife or husband a name or you hit her or hit them. And it's like, okay, I forgive you, but it's not the same, right? The cracks are still there. So yes, God is a tyrant. God is very narcissistic. God, God is, and it really exhibits the, the traits of a woman if you really want to get down to it. But um, yeah. I'm going to get out of here. That was pretty much it. And I'll be back in a couple hours. So what we're going to do, we're going to do another deep dive. And basically we're going to ask the question, uh, are these genetically uh, deficient children? Are they generational curses? We're going to go back into that deep dive with that channel, with all those sick and afflicted children and ask the question, are these generational curses? That being said, give me a couple hours. I'll be back. Y'all have a good one. Peace.